different ways, Revealing the Feminine by Seal, published 2020. Chapter 3, Early Life East of West, Part 2. Wild, Wild Life. Being the youngest, I was left to amuse myself a lot. Our family had a dog that I played with and took out on adventures in the neighborhood. He was my best friend for many years. On Saturday morning, I would take the dog, free range in those days, and go ride my bike the few miles to downtown and onto the deserted Bowery Street, where upon occasion I would find snoozing drunks passed out in a doorway. No traffic. Look, Ma, no hands. I would ride my bike right down the middle of the abandoned street with my hands up in the air like I was flying, Muffy scampering behind me, running on his stubby little dashened legs to keep up, ears flapping wildly. Down we would go to the harbor where the tides worked their magic by scenting the world with the smell of wild, briny waters. I love that smell. In the summer, I adventured on the small lumber mill commuter boat across the bay and hike over the dunes to the beach. There was a wonderful grocery store with a soda fountain with tall stools and an ice cream freezer there. Mercantile diners with a fountain were once common and being phased out as being old-fashioned, but this little sawmill village had one, and it was a treat to go there. I do not recall ever feeling lonely or bored. I spent a lot of time roaming around the neighborhoods with Muff, contemplating the houses and speculating what other lives were like. There seemed so many ways to live. A favorite spot to ride my bike was the cemetery. I loved looking at the statues there and wondering if the dead people were lonely when I wasn't there to visit them and who had once loved them. All those questions pressed in on me as I gazed upon the winged angels and the headstones of supplicating cherubs, frozen and planted there seemingly at the moment the person's heart stopped. We had no art museum with elegant sculptures in my small town. We had the cemetery with its statues and crypts. A few kids were left in the neighborhood, and a slew within a few blocks provided endless adventures building forts and floating rafts and such. We played war with sticks and acorns and all kinds of found objects. Eucalyptus pods would really sting if you were hit by one, but there was the compensation of joy around how sweet you smelled after such a war. There were Playboy magazines stashed in closets of friends' houses and little kids acting out sex scenes as they imagined they were supposed to go. I would inevitably stumble in on these staged affairs, confused and somewhat baffled by the feelings these scenarios would elicit. I thought the women in the 50s Playboy magazines were really beautiful. I felt sorry for boys looking so simple. Playboy cartoons were my first exposure to realizing that older women's bodies and their desires for affection 
were ugly and laughable to men by seeing the cartoons in the Playboy. The message I received was, if I wanted to be loved, I'd better not grow old. When I go, I'm going like Elsie. We had a player piano, and I was the only one who played with it because, well, music. My house where I lived was not one that normally teemed with neighborhood children. It was kind of dark and depressing place compared to homes with all the parental units in their assigned places. At one point, I began transforming the dining and living room area into a performance space and trying to organize plays and talent shows when there were still other kids in the neighborhood. I had my first experience of stage fright trying to croak out a rendition of Swing Low Sweet Chariot for the neighborhood kids, frozen, solid, in place. I had to be rushed off stage and revived. I was pushed back out center stage to sing and later followed up with the player piano accompanying me singing Louise. But I never forgot that feeling of sensing I was too small for the task I was attempting. I charged the kids' admission to these shows because, well, you know, cash. I recall one memorable Saturday when a bunch of us kids were outside playing on a sunny morning terrifyingly these were the atom bomb days when as students we were drilled on what to do at school if under nuclear attack millions of tiny papers fell from the sky and it rained down upon us the sky was filled with this stuff blocking the sun i remember looking up and feeling terrified thinking that it was fallout ash from a nuclear bomb Turned out it was some kind of advertising stunt. Litter as far as the eye could see covered everything announcing the opening of a new store. Environmental awareness wouldn't come until at least a decade later. Then the neighbor's children grew up or moved away. I loved the movies. And the movie theater was resplendent in the form of most theaters in those days with bric-a-brac, chandeliers, and great domed ceilings with paintings and art deco designs, a grand staircase elegantly curved up to the balcony seats from the lobby. If you smoked, you needed to sit in the balcony, where the smoke would curl through the shaft of light from the projection room. The bold carpet design hid the decades of spills that gave the theater a distinct yet undefinable smell of stale butter and weak-old air freshener merging. The one screen had a monstrous red velvet curtain that would majestically open to reveal the show with a dramatic flare. It was how it was done at that time. Those theaters, prior to being movie houses, served as live performance spaces. The screen was a modification brought on by celluloid. I watched a lot of movies over the years, but I remember very few. I was blown away by Krakatoa, east of Java. It scared me to death witnessing the world blow up like that. My absolute favorite movie, though, was Inside Daisy Clover. I loved Natalie Wood, and I completely related to her character of Daisy Clover. 
I went to the library to get the book the movie was based on and devoured every word. I had a Natalie Wood paper doll. I told her everything. The library was right next door to the movie theater in my hometown. I would leave the house on my bike or walking with my money for the matinee, and then after the show go to the library until it closed, and that would be my Saturday. I loved the library. The quiet murmuring of words compressed in pages waiting to be released by being unfolded to meet an inquiring eye. The reverential quiet. The sight of an inquisitive mind seeking just the right book to feast upon. Books on shelves so high you had to climb a ladder to reach them. It was a Carnegie library, so it was very reverent and stately. I thought the library a jewel in the crown of my life. Eventually, TV invaded all manner of entertainments. Prior to television, we listened to radio programs, played imaginative games, read, colored, or did crafts, or played board games in the evenings. I resisted for a while, but as I grew, I too became swept up into living my life around favorite TV programming. Later, no more running around on my bike with Muffy on Saturday mornings or roller skating up and down the streets after school. Not when there was television with children and teen programming. In other words, shows designed to sell things to children during the commercials. A shill game that was then still in its infancy, but would eventually rot out the minds of a majority of Americans and leave us ignorant and unable to decide what we truly enjoyed without being told. It became so bad for Americans to think for ourselves that after 30 years of being told what we liked in advertising, we became convinced that TV entertainers made good government policymakers, leaders, and defenders of the Constitution. The great God TV giveth, the great God TV taketh away. Wild Horses I had the good fortune to live in one of the most beautiful coastal areas in the world, resplendent with cathedral groves of majestic redwood trees, wild rivers, fresh air, and miles of beaches to play in. I looked forward to camping and picnics. We did this when possible when I was little and my brother and sisters were still at home. These outings had the added benefit of my mother's company. She worked Monday through Friday. And when we were at home weekends, she wasn't very present because of domestics and duty. But she would liven up away from the house when we went to the Redwood Forest, Freshwater Swim Park, or the beach. Even though camping and picnicking was a tremendous amount of work for her, with all the cooking and prep, she still opted to take us out to the Redwood Forests and Rivers on her precious vacation times or long holiday weekends. One memorable year, we took an actual travel holiday to an exotic place, Arizona. My brother and sister's father lived in Scottsdale there, so my family set out on an epic road trip. My brother had just learned to drive, and he was, no doubt, chief instigator of this daring expedition. Now that he was a man and all and could share the driving responsibilities... 
I have a lot of memories of cavorting in motels, my teenage sibs playing ribald jokes upon one another, and driving by genuine big cities, seeing skyscrapers, amusement parks, and wading in beach surf with warm water. I recall seeing a bleach blonde in sunglasses driving a fancy blue convertible passing us on the highway, her long scarf flapping gaily in the wind as it danced behind her. Wow! For real Hollywood. We traveled across the desert, my mother nervous about the dangers of such extreme heat on the car, and the kids patiently fussed, nattered, and repeatedly doused the big canvas water radiator bag strapped to the front of the Chevy station wagon as we traveled the great expanse of desert. There were salt pills and iced washcloths, but my biggest revelation came when, after dinner stop in the desert, when we stepped out of the restaurant after dark and the air was warm. I couldn't breathe or move at first as the door opened. My mind was so blown by the sensation of warm air coursing over my skin outside at night. It was the most exotic thing and one of the most glorious sensual human experiences I had to date. It left a deep impression on me. A world dark and yet Thank you for listening.